Oh, oh, we are rolling. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll wait until you're good. How's the color and everything? Everything looks popping. Yeah. Perfect. Yes, sir. Color great. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, did you hear about the craziness that happened? What happened? At the 89 Yeah, dude, day? I heard about it. Well, okay. So shit started going off while we were there, and there was uh, like a bunch you, of ambulances. You were there when yeah, that happened? Yeah, it was, a bunch, it, was, it was like right after the parade ended. Yeah. So like a bunch of like ambulances and stuff started going crazy, but it was funny because like the parade had just went through, and like 20 ambulances and like police cars and shit had just went through. So like nobody was moving. They were just like, oh, this is a part of the thing. And I'm like, no, apparently got something over there. I was like, I'm going to go check on that. Like, yeah, all the ambulances yeah. doing U-turns. Like, oh, like, shit, we actually, we got something to yeah. do. So I was like, oh, okay. And then we didn't find out until later. Uh, we got home, and then Amory was like, oh, uh, yeah, somebody got like messed up over there. Like, it was crazy. I was like, oh, oh God, we left. <laughs> so Dude, like, that's a mess. It, it was wild. It was wild. Rod, did you say we're rolling? Oh, sweet. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Curio House podcast. I got my friend RJ Bonner back on the show. Yes. We wanted to come out and do some chatting. Uh, there's been a lot happening with interest rates lately, or rately. Lately, <laughs> it, is, rately. it is very rately. It's rately. <laughs> uh, lately, there's been a lot happening with interest rates. You closed on your house back in uh, November, right? Yeah, it was November. Like yes. first week in November. Yeah, it was November. Yep. And you got in at that time. Like you got a solid rate. Yeah, it was like 3.5. 3.5. Yeah, like that's, that's pretty good, man. Yeah. And now the national average is 5.3. Yeah. So we were, we were just talking about this, but what that does to, like, if he were to buy his house today, your payment would be like $245 higher and that's like, just, just from buying it four months later. And that's like a huge, later. like, that's a huge, like, life choice for people, you know, like, yeah. especially like what we're going through right now. And like, you know, $240, like that's, that's something like you're, oh, I might not be able to do that. And you know, that might be the house that you want. Dude, that's so. like your, that could be the, a big part of a car payment yeah, or like your insurance or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that's, that's changing people's lives. I mean, yeah. totally. That's crazy. And I think it's going to affect the, uh, the housing market a little bit, but you know, a lot of people are talking about bubbles. Yeah. Housing bubbles and everything, but I don't think we're in like a bubble bubble. Yeah, I don't think so. No. I think it's gonna remain a I think it's gonna remain a seller's market for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Why why do you say that? Um just because I mean just because we've kind of come to this realization that like through COVID that everybody kinda of had to sit at home for a period of time and then they had to kind of realize like I don't like where I'm at. I don't like where I'm I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like the surroundings that I have. So I think everybody kind of had that influx of if I have the capital and I have the means of getting out of where I am to get where I'm happy, like I want to do that. And yeah. so that kind of influences people trying to get houses or trying to take more ownership. And then we're also realizing that like if you're paying rent, you're basically paying somebody else's bills. So, yes. you know, that was the big dividing factor for us like moving here to Oklahoma. I was like, I'm not about to go rent again when I could be paying my own mortgage and, and building equity in myself rather than, you know, somebody else's. So, dude, 100 percent. Yeah. I heard someone say once that, uh, you know, they were talking about interest rates going mm -hmm. up. And they're like, the thing you have to remember is the interest rate on renting is 100%. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. so you could take 5%, 6%. That's still going to be a hell of a lot better than 100%. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm like, that's okay. What I'm, I mean, I'm you can't that. argue with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I was like, we rented for... We rented for three years and then wanted to go buy a house and like we're spending so much money on rent that we didn't have the capital to put forward for the house. So, yeah. you know, it's like I would much rather, you know, take the chance, go for it and get our own equity and be able to afford our house than continuously like paying to live in an apartment we don't like. You know, yeah. And we don't even well, live with our neighbors. Even if, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You don't like your neighbors. Plus yeah. they're right next, yeah, next to, you. to you. I mean, and you're walls. sharing a wall. Yeah, exactly. But uh, even I think if you're paying 
a little bit more to own your house than you would for rent, mm-hmm. at least you're paying into something that, like you said, you it's own yeah. equity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you always know that, uh, you know, as long as that equity is good, if uh, like a crazy life circumstance changed, you could pull money out of the yeah. house and exactly you, know, you, you have options. Yeah. You're you renting, have you the don't. ability to uh, upgrade your house. Like YouTube University is completely free. Like you can go learn how to do anything to your house that you want to do to your house to increase the value of it. And you have people that can teach you on YouTube University how to yeah. do it cheaply. 100 percent. Yeah. I hear people talk about YouTube University all the time, but is it actually is there actually a YouTube no, University no, no, thing? Okay, YouTube. yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean you can learn that's, anything on YouTube. Yeah, yeah that's what up. I thought. That was yeah. actually a big uh, man. I absorbed YouTube voraciously when yeah. I was getting into real estate. It was yeah. just like learning about the housing markets, learning about laws and rules and things you can and can't do, yeah. and you know things that I would need to do to succeed as a real estate agent. Exactly, dude. Yeah, and there's it, people out there doing it. Hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> you kind of like philosophically, you think about uh, some of these quotes where people are, you know, they're like, hey, if, if you're trying to do something uh, like that is success driven or, or, you know, you're trying to su- succeed in some area, don't recreate the wheel. Yeah. Uh, success leaves clues. And so you look at the people that are doing now what it is you want to do. Yeah. And then you just find out what they did to get there and, and do those things. Exactly. You yeah. just reverse engineer what they did. You really don't have to do it. I mean, like, again... You know, like even if there's multiple stores out there that sell the same good, as long as you're providing quality service and selling those like selling those same good, you know, you're going to get customers. It's not a matter of like reinventing the wheel, coming up with some new thing because people are constantly re- like, you know, inventing new things. But yeah, do you ever hear about them? No, because people keep using what's convenient. Touche. Yeah. Touche. You, know? you know, I was just listening to something this morning and these guys were talking about building a business to... um take basically to get to cash out on equity. So like they're building a business to scale and then sell to like a company that acquires smaller companies. And so they're talking about different strategies. And one of the things that I took from that was they were talking about, um, how to double down on niching. And they were like, you know, a lot of these online marketers or online businesses, they want to take whatever their existing, say they've got 10,000 customers Mm -hmm. in, in their database. And they think like, well, it's, you know, it's so hard to go get more customers. You know, it's going to be, uh, it's going to take a long time. It's going to be really hard. It's going to cost a lot of money to double that 10,000 mm. and get to 20,000. So let me just expand my product base and sell those 10,000 people more things. Yeah, exactly. Just and which there. sounds smart because you're going to increase your top line revenue. Yeah. But it also um, doesn't make the company as valuable in the long run yeah. to like an acquisitions company or, or like a parent brand that's going to come in and buy, you know, buy your company. For sure. So the idea, I guess, of like doubling down on your niche, um, I guess could, it's smart. It's like a double edged it's, it's harder, yeah. you know, takes longer, mm-hmm. but they gave an example, this one lady, that had an online business and they basically did accounting mm-hmm. and bookkeeping for parents that had nannies. Hmm. And so they basically like took care of paying the nanny, took care of like the nanny's time, her health insurance, you know, all this stuff. They managed cool. all of that. That's really cool. Yeah. Kind of a, an interesting idea. Yeah. Well, she got to, I, I think they said she was doing like 3 million in revenue, her and one other employee. So wow. it was just the two of them, 3 million in revenue. And she was like, you know, I, I want to take this to the next level. And she was thinking about adding in ancillary services like, you know, hey, we'll also um, take care of having your your uh, like your lawn done or mm-hmm. ha- house cleaning right. or, you know, all these other services. Yeah. 
And then she was like, you know what? I want to stick with this. And so she kind of chose the long route, but she stuck with the idea that she's going to market the payroll and like services for nannies or rather for parents that have nannies. Well, she ended up like pushing through that wall that she was facing Mm -hmm. and uh, she ended up selling her business to care.com. Uh, she was doing 19 million in revenue annually when she sold it, and she sold it for 54 million. Jesus! And I'm like, that's how it's done. Yeah. That's, so niching. Yeah. That's taking a. I mean, that's taking a, taking a gamble in yourself. And I guess you know, being able to grow that, they grow that base. You know, increase your cart count, like your, you know, your item cart count, basically, and yeah. getting that, getting that dollar amount up per transaction. Yeah. And yeah, if you can. Get well, that customers, and bringing yeah. new customers and bringing in. new customers in. Yeah. I was yeah. like, if you, if you don't have the affordability, I mean, and then I guess like too, in my opinion, if you're going to go niche, uh, you're really going to try to, you know, get yourself to a niche where until you're a cult following, like until you have that established base that, you know, they're not going to go anywhere to get something else. They're going to want your product. How do you get a cult following? That's a curious, I mean, I like guess for a business. Yeah. I would guess that would be something along the lines. I'm trying to think of a business that has a cult following. People just go to it regardless if it's good or not. I can think of one. <clears throat> well, and, and I think it is a good business. Uh, but the first thing that comes to mind when you said that was Quest Nutrition. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's not about So, um, you know, and I, I, I just know about it because I follow this guy on mm-hmm. YouTube, Tom Bilyeu. Um, His company is called Quest. And he also has uh, the show on YouTube called Impact Theory. Uh, I think he also does like conversations with Tom. But it's all mindset stuff. Mm-hmm. He talks to very high-performing people, um, business owners, entrepreneurs, and uh, it's very similar to something that like Tony Robbins would do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, they want to talk to you, understand how you got to where you are, yeah, and yeah, yeah. then you know, absorb the decades of experience that you have in you know minutes. Essentially. Right, right, right. Uh, but he talked about his company and how how they got to be. I think at one point they were growing at like seventeen hundred and thirty-three percent annually. That's crazy. Which is wild. Wow. They were labeled a unicorn company. Um, they were uh, like the second fastest growing company in the world at one point. They just blew up. That's but crazy. the way they did it was they built a community. So I guess early on, I think he said this was like 2009 or 11 or something. Mm-hmm. He saw the power in Facebook and Facebook was still growing. It wasn't what it is today. Right. Uh, but he said he saw its ability to bring people together yeah. and allow them to interact with a brand. Yeah. And so he was like, well, let me build a community. And so his vision was, um, he had a morbidly obese, uh, family, his mom and sister were, you know, big, very unhealthy. And he wanted, um, something like a protein bar mm-hmm. that would taste good and would be healthy for them that they could snack on to get the, like the right. fix, the sweet tooth fix. Right. And so that was sort of his driving motivation. And, uh, I, I guess was he was just able to build a community around that vision. Yeah. And, you know, now the company, I think he said it does like. I don't want to misquote, but it's in the billions of I'm dollars sure. of revenue That's everywhere, here. dude. Yeah. And they're also doing more than just like bars now. Like they're doing whole like nutritional like programs and stuff like that. Like Are they? Crazy. I'm yeah. not surprised. Yeah. They're like, that's crazy. I mean, another one that I think of is like my previous employer, like HEB down in uh, Texas. Like that's a cult following if I've ever heard one myself. Like, you know. What is HEB? So it's a, it's it, the actual name of the country is Howard Edward Butt. And that's just the name of like the, the family that started it. Okay. And um, it's still family owned, but as far as like tech uh H-E-B is like only in central and south texas so it's only in austin houston the border uh el paso like out there and then like corpus where i'm from um but people don't go anywhere else like H-E-B has a what, com- what's their product 
Like they, what, they're just what, like a they're like a they're like a high end grocery store. So like, oh. and, but they sell like regular stuff too. So it's not like it's just it's just a total grocery store. They okay. have like a commanding like eighty eight percent market share in Austin. They have Whoa. like yeah, they have like a sixty percent market share in Houston. They've only been in Houston like five years. So it's like Man. you know, as soon as they go into anywhere in Texas, they basically their motto is. Uh, don't miss I don't want to misquote it, but I haven't been there in a while. But it's a <laughs> but it's like building Texas stronger, or like Texas like Texans helping Texans is what it is. So okay. it's like they they basically push off of that Texans helping Texans. We're Texans, we're Texas owned, like we're gonna be here for you. Okay. We're here, like if anything happens in Texas, we're adding like, you know, we're doing support, relief, whatever, but in turn, Texans go there. They don't go anywhere else. They don't anywhere else. Yeah. So, you know, like that's that that's that cult following. Like yeah. you never know there. You already know the HB isn't going anywhere as long as there's Texans. And so they, they did that by almost like branding themselves as uh, well. And it was smart saying like, Hey, we're, we're by Texans for Texans yeah. or for Texans by Texans, whatever. Um, but any of those people that associate themselves as, Hey, I'm a Texan. I got to go here. They, they yeah. connect the dots. Exactly. That's smart. Well, and then they also do, so they do a lot of, and I'm not going to hate on them and say like, they don't like, they do a lot of philanthropic stuff. So, um, like when, what was the hurricane that happened in Houston that like, well, I can't remember the name of it, but you know what I'm talking about? The one that messed was this up Houston recently. Recently. Probably yeah. like, yeah, like, like 10 San- years. No, I was going to say Sandy. It wasn't, Sandy. I can't remember which one it was exactly, yeah. but, um, they were like when everything was shut down, they were the first ones to go in there with like truckloads of stuff and they didn't even have a lot of stores then. But they were the first grocery store company to open up back their doors with minimal amount of capacity, like a yeah. minimum amount of product and just give people stuff, have stuff for people to buy. That's and, cool. and they and they weren't even very prevalent in Houston at that time. And that's when the market share just like went from nothing all the way to like 60 percent. And they just never let it go because and then they they, then they doubled they down came on that. in mm-hmm. when people need it. Yeah. And then they doubled down on that Texas helping. They, they changed their entire motto after that to Texans helping oh, Texans. Smart. And they, yeah. yeah <laughs> smart. And then it just blew up. From there and then like now you and now they're expanding into dallas and taking market share in dallas and uh they have multiple niches so they actually have like the heb brand stores then they also have like a whole food brand store and uh they started first by sending like their whole foods brand stores into dallas first so people got like accustomed to like the nicer stuff that they have and then they're going to start adding in the new like the new regular stores now it's a really smart marketing strategy totally yeah they're really smart is is a lot of that higher end kind of thing really just becoming commonplace in places like uh dallas and austin and houston yeah it's really growing crazy I mean, like I, like you would see in la yeah you know? no like I, oh, austin for sure yeah honestly uh like like i told you about like how it our what our uh experience was like in, in austin buying trying to buy a house like it's ridiculous and well we for anyone even, that doesn't know like what uh, what did you guys so we uh so we had lived in austin probably about three years and i'd gotten plenty of promotions and my wife was working too so we were doing well enough to try to get a house at this point mm-hmm. so we went and got approved for our loan and the loan that we got approved for was three hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars. Okay. and uh we went and started bidding on houses in our area which is the buda area and we bid it on well, we basically submitted offers on eight houses, got turned down on all eight of them, but on like four of those eight, we got abetted by like 80 grand. And it was like, Whoa. it was like cash offers. Yeah. So people are moving from California and from like other places that are like, you know, where you can get like mass amounts of money for your house, mm-hmm. selling them cash and then bringing them here and then bringing that cash to Texas or like these areas. Yeah. And then just saying, Hey, I'll give you cash way above asking. I just want to live here. Yeah. And then they're just like, yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to give it to the small family that's giving you a loan or you're going to give it to the guy that's giving you 500, you know, 500,000 cash. Yeah, yeah for sure. So. No, it just makes sense. Yeah, totally. Cool. I, I just helped a lady that was a cash deal mm-hmm. and it, it was, I mean, granted, she didn't go over asking, yeah. but she offered the list price yeah. in cash, and uh, and and so we we you know won the deal. Yeah, 
but it's amazing how much having cash oh, as a huge. seller, like it changes everything. Because you, know? you see a cash offer yeah. come in and you're like, okay, I don't have to worry about a lender's underwriting. Yeah. I don't have to worry about an appraisal gap. We got this, yeah. got that. Screw it. Let's yeah. do it. And even that, like, you know, I say we got outbidded by 80 grand, but it's more or less that like, you know, some people, multiple people probably got in a bidding war and, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and the price over got tracked uh, up to that much. Like, because yeah. people are, you know, it's not just those people coming in. It's multiple people from all over the place. Like, same as here. Like, you know, same as people coming from California, Oregon, all those different places. Like, it's the same thing there. Yep. It's the exact same thing. Well, and what I'm noticing here is, so like, uh, I just did a market report for Edmond and the median homes uh, or median sale price in Edmond was like 368000 mm-hmm. But if you look at the average of what was sold in March, mm-hmm. the average sales price was 402000 yeah. And so that tells me that, man, there's, there's a lot of homes being purchased like on the higher end, yeah. you know, four, five, six hundred thousand yeah. than, uh, or, or maybe just as many as our $250,000 houses. Yep. But we were just talking, you were, you were talking about Austin, um, like the market blowing up there mm. and people spending or, or offering 80,000 over list price. It just made me wonder what's going to happen in the next year to two when these uh, tax assessed values catch up to the sales prices and now people are having to pay maybe two times as much in property tax. Yeah. Like what happens when your property taxes go from 4,000 a year to eight or 9,000 a year yeah. just because the price of your property. You no, know. you're exactly right. Yeah. That's Dude. like, that's really interesting. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of people that aren't going to be able to afford to keep the houses. Yeah. You're exactly right, man. Yeah. I mean, I have a couple of people uh, that I know of, that have lived in Austin for like, like a good amount of time. Like they grew up in Austin and they're Austinites. Like they lived in like, cause I mean, Austin is relatively blown up pretty quickly. So if you've lived in Austin for about 20 years, then you were able to get a house for nothing and you could have lived relatively close to the city. Mm-hmm. So I have people that have like, that live probably three miles from downtown. They've had people out, like offer them housing prices in the millions for their house and they haven't sold it because like this is their family house that they've had for 30, 40, 50 years. And you're again, oh like, God. what's going to happen when you have to pay taxes on that? Oh, when yeah. all the houses around you are million dollar plus houses, but it's like their houses aren't even nice. Craig. Like it's not even nice houses. It's literally like houses and they're offering them some money to like put, you know, Airbnbs on them or something like that on them to renovate the property. To just put it because it's three miles from downtown Austin. Crazy. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Damn. Austin is nuts right now. Yeah. <sighs> It, it kind of blows my mind just thinking about these markets and, and how they've grown. Yeah. And, you know, a part of me understands why people are like, oh, we're in a housing bubble. It's about to burst. Mm-hmm. You know, we've never seen sales like this. I get that. And I, I like sympathize with that idea. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think what makes me feel assured that we're not in a housing bubble is mm-hmm. one, after 2009, lenders got a lot more strict with lending guidelines and who could borrow, how much, underwriting sure. guidelines are a lot more stringent. So it's not as easy for you to get a house now. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, back then you had, you could just say, I make 200 grand a year. And they were like, okay. Yeah. You know, now you have to be able to prove that. Yeah, you really do have to be able yeah. to prove it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I had a guy recently, yeah. he's got, uh, he's got, I think he's two kids, maybe three, but he has savings accounts for each of them. Mm-hmm. And he just puts a little bit in every couple of weeks and the underwriter wanted statements from those bank accounts and he's like no you can't that's my kid's money it's not mine and they're like sorry man it's it's income that you technically have and so they made him disclose the bank statements for his three kids 
I was like, that's that's kind of screwed up, yeah. I, I think. You had to give him everything. But yeah, everything. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's wild. Um, <clears throat> but uh, what was I saying? Uh, housing market is not going to blow up because it's people that are in our age groups mm-hmm. that are like, uh, you know, millennials or, or close to it that are coming to the age of home ownership mm-hmm. and they've been working for, you know, 10, 12, 15 years, mm-hmm. they've got decent income and now they're, they're moving into the housing market or they're trading up out of their first time home buyer house mm-hmm. into something that's, you know, bigger, has more room and of course costs more. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the market's being driven by that. Yeah, I think so too. Because that's kind of like where we were. We were just kind of like, I mean, we had bought our, like, we had bought a home prior to, but it was with, like, the help of, like, you know, my dad and family prior, like, when we had first moved out of college or whatever. Yeah. But now, like, this is our first, like, actual home that we bought that ourselves, like, we wanted to upgrade to, like, what we have now to give the boys space to run around and stuff like that. So, and then I see a lot of my friends doing that, too, getting yeah. out of their first time <laughs> homes to get bigger homes and, you know, that kind of thing, too. How's the house working out for you guys? I love it. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. What's, uh, so you've been in there for about like five or six months. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the things that have popped up that, you know, are just home buyer experiences that you maybe didn't expect or I know you had to replace hot water heater. Yeah, that's about the hot water heater so <clears throat> far. Um, I'm going to get somebody to come out and look at like the AC, but it's nothing wrong. Everything's been going just fine. Um, and as far as that, like nothing else really. I'm just trying to figure out a lawn guy because I'm trying to figure out if I want to cut my own grass <laughs> or if I want to like, get somebody to come Actually, do it. I got a guy for you. I, I, he, perfect. He does he's, my house, and he's he's super affordable too. Perfect. That's um, and I mean, for you, you've got an acre, which I'm yeah. super jealous of. Yeah. But uh, he does mine. I've got a quarter acre, and he does it for fifty bucks. Oh yeah. Sweet. So it's yeah. and I, I'm sure he said fifties the highest that he charges, or fifty five is the highest that okay. he charges. So I bet he could get you a good deal. I love it. Okay. I'll give yeah. his number. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I also wanted to ask you, man, how's the, how's the business going? Good, dude. We actually grand open a couple of weeks ago. So we grand open on March 28th. Um, and it's, it's been good. It's yep. been good. We've had a lot of, uh, a lot of traction. We've been making some good sales. Um, a lot of, a lot of inquiry, a lot of, um, cause you know, one of the things that we do is we have R and D services around, you know, what we pro like, you know, basically what we provide to clients. Um, and like, I guess anybody that doesn't know, basically I work for a company that provides uh, equipment to anybody that does cannabis extraction. Okay. So we provide yeah. all of the, we provide all of like our bread and butter is BHO extraction, but we provide. BHO? So yeah, that's uh, like hydrocarbon extraction. That's like butane and then uh, okay. butane propane or uh, like isobutane or like blends of those two. Um, that's our bread We're and butter. some chemistry but shit now. It's, it's a little, <laughs> yeah, I guess it gets crazy, but yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's our bread and butter at our company. But we also provide anything you need in order to do like remediation. But we also do like solvent list if you need like help with that. But then what what is some of this? Because this is like I, I'm in cannabis. I yeah. like I I understand a lot of it, but so much of this is over my head. Like yeah. what what are these extraction processes? So pretty much when you have um, pretty much when you're like making any kind of concentrate, mm-hmm. um, if you want to do it through like hydrocarbon extraction, then you have a closed loop system that basically you like. You, it's all closed in, it's all vacuumed down. So it's at basically like, you know, vacuum pressure of zero. And then um, you basically like soak your, your, like it's super rudimentary how I'm saying it. So I'm going to get blasted by like my bosses. But <laughs> no, essentially, but so like that's good though, because yeah. you got to be able to explain it to like yeah. a five year old, right? So essentially, uh, like you want to, the way that I like to explain it to people is it's kind of like a, uh, a French press. So like basically, yeah. but instead of that, you're using like butane gas. And okay. You're using pressure to push it through. But essentially, the gas captures all of like the, 
all of the good stuff that you want. So it captures all of the terpenes that you want to smoke, the, you know, the CBD, CBG, CBN, THCA, THC, all that stuff. But then okay. it also brings out like all the fats and waxes and stuff. And there's different processes that you can do that you can change that. But you get that remediate, you get that fine product. And that's basically called crude oil at the very, like at the very first step. And then okay. from there you can start refining it and refining it until you get to, you know, the process level that you want it at. And then you can either gram it up and sell it, or you can be like a white label and just produce mad batches and sell that to dispensaries. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you extract this, the product that comes out of it is like, um, like a sticky oil yeah, kind of like thing. Super duper hardcore tar. Like okay. it's like, it's like, oh, I mean, if you're not doing any kind of remediation within your machine and you're just extracting just straight crude oil, then it's going to be like a super thick, dark tar. And okay. then what people can do from it there is they can like, you know, they can either winterize it or they can put it through like they'll winterize it and then they'll put it through like a distillation setup and they'll distill it into like distill it. And that's usually what you have in vape carts and stuff like that. Um, so the, the distillate that you'd have in vape carts mm-hmm. is like a, almost like a watered down version of that. No, no, it's a purified version. So it's a oh. more purified version. Okay. So it's uh so usually like what happens is, is like, you'll have, um, like I was saying, like when you do the crude oil, you'll get like all these different things in it. So you'll get like the fats, waxes, you'll get like a THCA, you'll get like CBD, CBG, all these different things will be in that. Mm-hmm. And then what you can do from there is distillation, basically like alcohol, it just it distills out the certain compound that you want. So you can basically dist out, distill out just straight THCA, you can distill out just straight CBD, like I've seen them do CBD, CBG. Um, and that's how like the big thing right now is people are making diamonds. So like they'll make like they'll make making yeah. diamonds. Yeah, because it's basically the crystalline structure. Like if it's that if it's that high of a purity of something, then it'll basically start to combine together because of the crystalline <coughs> structure of the you know the purity of the like the I guess the product, and then okay. it'll form into like basically crystals. And then you can get like THC crystals basically by you know having a high enough purity of your product, and it'll do it by itself. Like you know a lot of people are doing things to it, like they call it crashing out. The but a lot of people like will add like pentane or heptane or something to it and then they'll put it in a mason jar and tie it off and then basically as like the pentane or heptane like off gases it'll create pressure and you know pressure forms diamonds so they'll basically use that to create like bigger thc crystals but you know if you just have anything that's a high enough purity and leave it alone for long enough it'll start to combine and create crystals in its own right really just be little yeah just be little itty bitty Man. that's why like like if you see like um different concentrates like there's a bunch of different concentrates now but like you know resins and sugars and stuff like that yeah it's just i'm sorry we're gonna, we're gonna pause for just a second i'm gonna ask my wife to bring the dogs in because they're out there oh they're <laughs> yes sorry no you are fine okay um so man that's that's super cool. And I you were talking about like taking the the crystals and mm-hmm. like making diamonds. But what what's the like the purpose behind this? Is it for consumption yeah. or so people were just like, hey, this is a cool way to like talk make cool, cannabis. Exactly. Okay. It's the same thing as like back in the day when people would make cross joints or like they would smoke out of an apple or they would do something. It's just a gimmick. So all of this stuff is really just science, like continuous evolution. Yeah, it's like chemistry. they're just yeah. looking for a new way to yeah. do it. And see, this is the thing with this is the thing that's so cool with like this. In my opinion, this is the thing that's so cool with this industry right now and dealing with the extractors is that. All these people that like if you should be if you're doing everything right, you should be licensed and everything should be square with like OMA and like the liquid petroleum gas board and all that. But regardless, people all around the country are doing these things in different labs 
and all of these people are potentially have the ability to make cutting edge like you know revolutionary type you know things in their lab so it's like you know you might be able to take that step and be able to create a whole new process that changes everything because the the because the the cannabis industry and how they're refining their stuff is like rapidly changing you know it's 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 rapidly changing so you know one person might be able to change everything i'm just curious but is that change happening out of necessity or just because they're exploring the industry and i guess what i'm trying to get at is are they looking for new new products to sell because like the margins on flour and and can't, or uh, extracts and edibles are like they've come down so much that are they looking for something new that they can market at a higher price or or mm-hmm. make more money on or is it simply like you know, a bunch of kind of stoners saying like, I want, I want to explore. I want to see what we can do. It's kind of a half, it's kind of a three way thing. So it's kind of those two things, but then it's also coming to like the refined purity of like the actual aspect of smoking, because as you, as you remediate more, um, you know, there's, and you have to go through like different testing because you have to go through testing. You have to test all of your stuff to make sure it can even get to the shelf of a dispensary. So like there's different things that people are figuring out how to do that can basically remediate the products. So it doesn't have like heavy metals in it, pesticides in it. You know, then you also have like, it's kind of like tailored choicing things to what you want. Cause some dispensaries like, Oh, I want it to be a certain color or I want it to be, you know, a certain kind of consistency so you can remediate it. But a lot of the chemistry is being born out of that remediation. So a lot of the understanding is coming out of how do we bleach this oil, but how do we bleach this oil to keep it safe for consumption? How do we make it to where we can bleach this oil, but continue to remain like a good amount of terpene so it still tastes good rather than it tasting like nothing because like you know if you have distillate it's not gonna taste like anything because there's nothing in it except for thc so it's like you know if you're smoking flour you're getting all those different flavors and tastes and stuff because you're just basically taking raw terpenes and stuff like that and you know igniting it or whatever um but even like with bho there's still going to be some terpenes in there there's still going to be some flavor in there but you can remediate it all the way to the point where there's nothing so it's kind of that picky choose. Okay. So when you're remediating it, you're essentially purifying it. Essentially, yeah. Okay. And oil remediation isn't new. They've been doing, like, they've been bleaching oils since, like, corn oil and all that. Like, it's agricultural. It's not, like, something that we invented. So was this stuff going on in some of these other markets prior to it hitting oh, sure. Oklahoma? Or Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. So it was already happening. Yeah, this is happening. Yeah, this is, okay. this is stuff that's kind of basically, like, this is stuff that's been happening out in California and things like that. And then as Oklahoma is now has stepped into the forefront of like cannabis production and like concentrate production, um, a lot of people from California are coming this way. A lot of people from coming other places are coming this way, but a lot of knowledge isn't here yet. So okay. that's a lot of the things like we've, we've come to find is that like, you know, people are so willing to learn here. We've also met some people that aren't. So, you know, it's kind of how you want to take it, but yeah. you know, a lot of people here are very interested in learning the right way to do it, you know, that kind of thing. And I've also found that, um, you know, like I'll, I'll give props to some Oklahoma folks. They like, this is how it is in film. At least the people that have been working in film since I call it like ground zero, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, circa 2008, 2010, um, they are so much more willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because they've had to like fight and scrap, and they were, you know, working on these tiny little shows where mm-hmm. it wasn't compartmentalized and like you had a line and you stayed in it yeah. uh, or a lane and you stayed in it. It was more like, you know, hey, I, I see you're struggling over there. You know, you need some help and you, you just kind of jump over and help folks. And you learn, you know, you like a cross train. Yeah. 
learn new things. <clears throat> what we're seeing now in film, and th- thankfully I still kind of have an eye in it because Jen, you know, works yeah, in it. And, um, but we see a lot of these newer kids, I say kids because they're young, mm. um, early 20s, they're coming in and they like get fortunate enough to jump on their first show is like a big union show, multi-million dollar feature film or, or a TV series or something. And they start seeing how it works on a unionized film project. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, so all I have to do is this and I'm going to get paid, you know, $26, $30 an hour. And they're so rigid and unwilling to like help out this person, yeah. you know, or, or this person or to do this job or that job because mm-hmm. they're like, that's not my job. Exactly. My job is this. Mm-hmm. But you know, you've got <clears throat> people like Jen that have been doing it for a long time mm-hmm. and you know, she's, really respected in the film community. Yeah. But the reason is, is because she knows she has all the answers because she's worked in so many different right. places. And she's also willing to like, she, if there's something tough that needs to be done, right. whether it's tough because of a deadline or it's just tough because it's a ton of volume in terms of work or whatever it is, mm-hmm. she's just going to be like, well, shit, it has to get done. Yeah, so get done. Exactly. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. She's not going to sit and like sulk and like, man, why is this happening? It's yeah. such, you know, this bullshit that I have to do this no, and that, and that. You, yeah. you just do it, yeah, you know, sure. just yeah. do it. Mm-hmm. But so many people right now are stuck in that mindset. Yeah. And actually, now that I think about it, this happens in every industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real estate, yeah, everything. Yeah, everything. Um, but you're just like, that's not my lane. That's not my job. I don't do that. No. And I think that's like one of the biggest things that will kill someone's um, ability to like matriculate to the top yeah. of any field. Anything. Yeah. yeah. You have to be willing to do it. Yeah, you have and to just be willing start. to do it. And jump in. Like, jump in and learn. Yeah. I was like, everything starts somewhere. Like, that's one of the things that I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I was like, we so tell ourselves now and days that, you know, I'm, I'm so scared to start a hobby. I'm so scared to start this. I'm so scared to start that. And I'm like, I mean, you see somebody that's been doing it for 20, 30 years. That person started somewhere. So if you start and you go for that 20 years, you'll be doing what they're doing. It's yeah. just a matter of you have to start. If you don't start. You don't ever get anywhere. Well, and you get stuck in the trap of comparison. Yeah. Right? Man, that's Because you start looking at, like, for instance, if I'm thinking about the podcast, and I might see another podcast pop up on YouTube Mm -hmm. that's real estate related or otherwise, and I'm like, man, they've got, you know, 150,000 subscribers, Mm -hmm. and this video got 500,000 views or whatever it is. And I'm like, why am I even doing this? You know, but, but at the same time, they might've been doing this for 10 years Yeah, exactly. and they've, you know, just made the connections and they've just been doing it long enough that it's working. Um, but yeah, it's with anything, you know, you, you can't compare yourself to someone else that's been in it longer or has, you know, wildly different circumstances than you do. You just start where you are with what you have and you do what you can. Dude, comparison is the demon of social media. Like oh, that's for sure. that's truly where this whole comparison like mindset, like I, I call people, I basically tell people like social media is everybody's highlight reel because you don't see the yeah. negative, you don't see the negative. People are never gonna, I mean, until you ha- unless you have somebody that's a very aware person, they're never gonna put the negative on social media. Very rarely do you see people put the process on social media. Very rarely do you see the negative on social media. All you see is the successes. That's All you see point. is the trips. Yeah. All you see is the fun. All you see, but you don't see the person crying behind the scenes. You don't see the person yes. struggling. You don't see the person thinking, is this going to work? You don't think the person like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money tomorrow. Yes. All you see is the fun. And it's so crazy to me because we've caught so many, and it's not like we, but like people get caught 
taking fake selfies under palm trees in LA to act like, or like a fake palm tree in front of their house to act like they're on vacation somewhere. And I'm like, the clout <laughs> isn't worth it. I'm like, you don't, you don't have, like, it's not worth it. I would much rather you say like, I don't have it and I'm trying to work to get it than the front and say like, I do have it. Yeah. Cause you're, you're lying to somebody right there that's struggling every single day, trying not to give up thinking like, bro, how is this dude on vacation every other week? Yes. How is this? dude? And you shouldn't be thinking like that. Your race is your race. Life is not a race. It's a marathon. It's like you are running your own particular marathon. It's not anything to do with anyone else. Yeah. That's just like, I don't get that. That's the one thing I hate about the social media area. Dude. The only thing I hate about it. That resonates so much. I just hate it. Like from my perspective, Mm. Um, it's the same thing. Like I'm trying to build a real estate business. Mm. And so I want to show off the good stuff. Right. And I want to, you know, like I'm not lying about anything that I post, but I'm also glorifying those things and I'm not talking about all the other stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and it's a really good point. And, and it makes me think like, man, I there's some things that come to mind right away that I should be talking about. Like the $300,000 deal that I lost, lost out on a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, or man, actually there's a lot of good stuff. I was talking to this guy who's, uh, moving from Bakersfield, uh, California, and, um, he is the 22nd member of his family that's moved from California to Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. They're like his whole family's, it's like this exodus. That's crazy. Yeah. And, um, and so I was talking with him and I'm trying to help him find a place out here. And he, he's talking about his, uh, his nephew is going to be moving out and this person is going to be moving out. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, like this could, uh, this could turn out to be like really good for sales and, you know, great to meet these people and everything. And one morning I'm like catching up on some emails. I get a phone call from a number I don't recognize. And this guy's on the other line and he goes, Hey, uh, I've never had to make this call before, but, uh, I, I know you're working with so-and-so. And, uh, he, he mentioned that, you know, he had got a hold of you somehow, but, uh, I, I've been working with him for a couple of weeks now and I'm selling his sister a house, so I'll be able to take it from here. And I was like, at, at first I was like, uh, and I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what's going on, but, yeah. and, and so, you know, we kind of had this exchange, went back and forth, but it ended. And so to give you an idea of the work I was doing for this guy, I was actually going around a couple neighborhoods that he was interested in mm-hmm. door knocking and talking to people to see if they would be interested in like moving if they've been thinking about selling their house yeah. thinking maybe i can just partner these guys up yeah. and you know help everyone out well first and foremost i know how far you go above and beyond for your client <laughs> i know i know personally how far you go so Thanks. i can only imagine like what you were doing to help this guy to try to get his whole family over here i can yeah. only imagine yeah 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 truly so knocking on these doors and i yeah. find this guy who is interested in having the conversation about selling mm-hmm. his house And that's like the first, you know, first step is you got to find someone that's open to the conversation. And so then we start talking and I'm trying to get an idea of why he wants to move. Well, and now the, the, um, the goal is like, he's, he's down to move, Mm. but he's got to find the right place and he's not going to sell the house until he finds the right place. So now I'm like, okay, now I have to find him a place. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'm like jumping through these hoops, trying to find something that works for him, trying to get him pre-qualified. And he wants to be able to buy the other house without having to sell this, which means he needs to qualify like income wise for it. Yeah. So it's like, this big thing. And, uh, meanwhile, I'm telling this guy in California what's going on. Hey, you know, so here's the house, here's all the details, this and that, like, here's what's going on with him trying to find a place. And then I get this guy that calls and says, Hey, basically that's, that's my client. You, you know, yeah, yeah, you can't help him. And then he has the balls to say, um, 
but you know, uh, if he's interested in that house, I'd love to represent him in that transaction. And I was like, I was like, man, <laughs> I don't think you understand. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like I'm out here, like literally walking around this neighborhood, getting cussed out by people that don't want to see me to try and find this guy a house. And you're saying, oh, I'd love to come in and get that commission. Exactly. Yeah. I'm exactly. Like, no, man. No, no, no. Are you crazy? What? But, so I call the guy and, uh, and I call the client yeah. and I'm like, you know, Hey, uh, just wanted to give you a, a holler real quick and let you know, I, I got a call from this guy. Uh, he claims that he's your agent and, uh, basically asked me to, you know, not contact you again and all this. And, and he's like, Oh, that, is that Steve? And I was like, yeah, yeah, Steve. And, and he's like, Oh, well, he's not my agent. Exactly. And I was like, oh, well, he, he claimed that, you know, he's been working with you for, you know, several weeks and he's helping your whole family and this and that. And he's like, he's like, listen, I, I know Steve, he's helping my sister buy a house, but he's like, I have no relationship yeah, exactly. with this guy. He's like, I didn't yeah. sign any contract. I didn't do anything. And I, I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to step on any toes. Here's where we're, where we're at with this house. Um, you know, if, if you're interested in working with me, I'd love to take yeah. care of you, button this thing up, do the best I can for you. Um, but I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to, you know, hand over a sale yeah, to yeah, this yeah, guy totally. because he called yeah. and started bitching at me. Yeah. And, uh, the guy, he's like, well, I, I just, I don't know what to do. This is, this is, un I think he said unprecedented. And I was like, yeah, it is a little unprecedented. It's a little weird. It's a little weird. <laughs> and, uh, and so I told him, I was like, listen, you know, I'd, I'd love to help you. Um, but if, you know, if you choose to buy this house, I, I'd love if I could earn your business yeah, exactly. and, and represent you. And uh, at first he was, he was like, well, let me, let me call Steve and see what's going on. And, you know, this and that. And I'm like, okay. And I get off the phone and, or no, before we get off the phone, he asked me, he's like, well, you know, worst case scenario, what if, what if, um, you know, we able, we're able to make this house thing work, you know, and just so that we don't cut out Steve, could he represent me since you're representing the seller? And I'm like, man, because <laughs> the right, you're about to say that. the right to thing say that. to do for the client, right, is to say yes. Yeah. But at the same time, it's really hard to talk about giving up that commission. Yeah. And, and, and the relationship. Well, and you've done the legwork. Because I did all the legwork. Because you've done the legwork. All the legwork. Like, as I'm saying, you're going to let homeboy come in and get... <laughs> it's like, what? like, I didn't see this dude walking around the streets when I was out there, like, knocking on doors. Uh, and, and also, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. I really wouldn't mind if I didn't have it out for this agent. I, if he like, was a jerk. If he, he wasn't he a jerk. Was a Thank dick. you. If he wasn't a jerk, you would have been yeah. like, yeah, dude, no problem. Yeah. yeah. If he would have approached it in a different way and said, you know, hey, I hear you've been really pounding the pavement for this guy. I'm sorry. I had no idea you were working with him. Uh, you know, it sounds like you might have something for him. I'd love to partner up with you on this. Or or I would have given him a referral fee or yeah. split the deal with him yeah. if he just would have been like nice about it. People do not realize how far manners take them in this life. Like, oh, yeah. Don't get it. Like, I don't understand. People get a chip on their shoulder and they're like, and they get that feeling like, I don't have to be mannerable. I don't have to. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, you have the power in that situation. It's not like, I, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to bend. It's fine. Yeah. Like, you're a good real estate agent. It's not like you, you're going to find somebody else. And then that was something my dad taught me when I mean, my dad's entrepreneur. And that's something he taught me. He was just like, he ran McDonald's for a long period of time. So whenever you would get into it with a customer, he would clearly tell them like, hey, man, the burger's on my side of the counter. Like, you can drive <laughs> five miles out of your way to go get a burger at another McDonald's, but the burger that you want that's closest to your house is on my side of the counter. 
So it's like, if you want to get into this argument and whatever, I don't have any problem telling you to go take your business somewhere else because I got 10 other people right behind you that want that same burger. That's a good way. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I'm not going to argue with one guy when I have a slew of successful clients. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. No. Well, and of course it depends like why the argument's happening. Yeah, but if you've exactly. got some guy that's just, yeah, yeah if it's just nothing. bitching. Yeah, if it's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it goes back to you talking about uh, Facebook and the world of comparison yeah. and, and your, you know, your highlight reel. Um, and it's such a good point. Like, I, I think I should make an effort to put more of those stories out on Facebook yeah. or on social media rather than just, just the highlights. Well, the young real estate agent is going to learn from that. You that's know, true. somebody's going to learn from that and they're going to say, Maybe like that might have happened to somebody else and they yes. might not have known how to take it yeah. and, you know, and seeing how you take it and then go forward and then you just have the same demeanor. You're happy. You're good. That's going to propel other people forward. That's going to show like, hey, man, that doesn't make that made my week feel much less like the problems that I had this week feel much less significant, like insignificant than what he went through this week. And he's still happy. Yeah. So I don't need to be down on myself. That's why I feel like sharing those sharing those negative stories to Facebook or sharing like anything around like, oh, you're in therapy or, oh, you're doing this or, oh, you're trying to better yourself or mental health, that stuff. I feel like that can only help another person that may be down on themselves. And, you know, you, you, you don't lose anything. You don't lose anything. So that's true. Yeah. yeah. You don't lose anything. You don't lose anything. So. Man, I love that. Yeah. That's uh, you kind of you kind of inspired me. You gave me some new content ideas. I'm telling you, man, you don't lose, <laughs> you don't lose anything, dude. All you're doing is sharing knowledge. Yeah. That's it. And well, and you're also providing value yeah. because there's like you're saying, there's some maybe new real estate agents that uh, like if they were put in that situation, they don't know what they, they would have do. No idea. Or maybe they would just feel like they were obligated to let this agent into the deal. Yeah. Instead of just saying no. no. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I can tell you like right that. now, I wish I would have had the wherewithal to go and. Um, like the first time I bought my car, like I would have wished I would have had somebody that would have like I would watch YouTube videos on how to negotiate and that kind of thing because I just walked in and took whatever deal they gave me on my first car versus like being like, I don't want to pay that much. I know I can haggle. I have this much. I have that much. Yeah. Like that's the same thing with that. You know, a young real estate agent, they can see that I may not have to take this deal. Like I may not have to do this and I will be OK versus like, you know, because older realists maybe might come in them and come at them completely south and be like, well, you'll never do anything else in this again ever. Da, 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 da. And it's like, I'm scared. I have to take this deal because I'm scared. Like, you know, seeing somebody that can show you, no, you don't have to just gives you that much backbone and gives you that much wherewithal to be like, um, I know my value. I don't have to like settle. Where, how, how did you come to that realization? Like, how did you learn? Like, I've got value in this world and I'm just going to be true to me. Mm -hmm. despite what anyone else is saying dude because that's like i i really respect that mindset yeah. and, and it's what i'm trying to develop is like yeah. i have a north star yeah and i'm just gonna keep going that direction yeah and eventually like it will work i know it will and it seems like you're very much the same way it's a couple of things uh first and foremost i went when i was in college i, I don't know how it just kind of clicked with me i went to this like business seminar in chicago and i watched this lady we had no like it was no obligation we didn't have to go watch anybody so we were just kind of walking in and out of panels and I just walked into this random panel and there was this lady up there and she had worked at like multiple Fortune 500 companies. She was like worth a buttload, but she was young. She was probably like 35 and she was up on stage and basically the title of her thing was called fake it till you make it. And she was just like, so often do we have imposter syndrome that we're doing what we're doing and we have that guilt in our minds that like, why do I have the things that I have? Why do I have what I am? She's like, if you're doing it and you're doing it successfully, then you're supposed to be there. Just fake it. Keep faking it. Keep going. And eventually you're going to catch up and be like, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. Um, then there was another instance where 
uh, when I had first moved to Texas and I kind of gotten out of that mindset, but I was kind of like, just kind of down on myself and was like, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm the ish. I can do whatever. I don't need people's help, whatever, whatever. Um, listening to other people. Uh, another guy told me that another manager that we had that was above us was basically like a jerk and blah, 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 blah. And I was out on the floor doing something like just straightening some crap up or whatever. And the guy came up to me and he was telling me something. And I had the guy that had told me that certain gentleman wasn't anything in my mind, just like, Oh, don't listen to him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And then the same guy on the other side, was basically like, hey, man, I'm trying to show you something, like, whatever, whatever. And it was so weird. It was like a lightning bolt just clicked in my brain, and I was like, hey, this dude doesn't have to be showing me anything. Like, this dude's higher than me. Like, he makes more than me. He make, like, I report to this guy. So I was like, the fact that he's taking the time out of his day to show me something, like, I can either take it or not receive it, but he doesn't have to do that. Like, he could just sit up here and let me fail and just, like, watch from the background and be like, this dude sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Well, that and, like, I'm sure you realized at that moment yeah. that you were having that that exchange with this guy, mm-hmm. but you had in the back of your head a perspective of him that someone was not else. yours. Of someone else. Thank you. Yeah, Why am someone, I letting someone else's perspective. Else pers- yeah. Why am I letting someone else destroy my chances to move forward in life. Like exactly. I need to move on my own consciousness. Yes. Exactly. And yeah. that was that realization. Basically it happened right then and there. And I was like, yeah, why am I like, no, no. Like, yeah, thank you, dude. So much of this is conditioning. Like yeah. so much of life I think is Seriously. conditioning. Seriously. Like we, we have these experiences, um, or, or ideas rather that are put in our mind from a young age, mm-hmm. whether that be from a family member or a teacher at school or someone who had had influence yeah. on us. And it's like we just assimilate their ideals mm-hmm. instead of sometimes w- like asking ourselves consciously, mm-hmm. like, is is this thought right? Yeah. Like, is is this really the way it is? Yeah. Or is my perspective of this situation or this person being skewed by something that someone else said? No, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah. I think, honestly, a lot of times, and I was talking to my wife about this recently, too. Um, I think a lot of times as an adult, what we're really doing is we're unlearning a lot of like, that know that like our past experiences i feel like as you get older and you become more successful as an adult you're basically unlearning a lot of the crap that you learned as a child that helped you yeah. cope through a lot of the crap that you were going through and that's essentially how like, that's essentially i feel like the mark one of the marks of defining success when you can when you can um realize that the crap that you're doing is dysfunctional and then say like i'm going to actively choose not to do it so you've actively chose to like unteach yourself or untether yourself from that negative action or whatever it is, that action that might've helped you in whatever situation you were going through 10, 20, 30 years ago. But right now it's not serving you. Yeah. That makes sense. Because that, that action or that, that thing was probably a coping mechanism for something or something and you don't need it. You don't need it anymore. Exactly. So you have to unlearn that coping mechanism because that's what's keeping you held back. Yes. Yep. Man, and you could unpack the hell out of that because, yeah. you know, there's there's like people are scared of what's not familiar. Yeah. And so those those actions or ideas or ways of doing things Dude. are comfortable because they're familiar. And so stepping outside of that and trying something new and acting a different way yeah. and becoming the person that you actually want to become is scary. Right. And you have that like wall of fear. And so I think a lot of people get hung up on that and they're mm-hmm. like, well, um, you know, I can't, I can't break through that yeah. because that's not me yeah. or, or because I'm scared or, or what if I fail or whatever it yeah. is. Uh, one thing that, that is kind of interesting. I had a big problem internally. Um, like it in the last, let's say 10 years, I've had, uh, 
you know, a like few job changes and, and other big changes in my life. And this most recent one was when my wife and I moved from the panhandle, you know, back downstate. And I was farming with my father-in-law, got out of that and decided um, to get into real estate. Mm -hmm. And so I had gone from, uh, f from film work, which is like, you know, something not a lot of people get to do. Yeah, that's what I was like, that's you awesome. You know, super fun, yeah. exciting. Yeah. Uh, but we were wore out on traveling, living out of a suitcase. And like, we, we were wanting to put down roots. And so, you know, my father-in-law is a farmer. Mm -hmm. We were thinking we want to move back to the panhandle to be close to family. And, you know, on our wedding night, he asked me if I wanted to learn the business. Okay. And so I was like, yeah, you know, and I'm, and I'm that type of personality that, you know, I saw it as an opportunity and I kind of, you know, saw the, the potential in him, you know, training me and teaching me the business. And maybe one day I could buy it from him or, you know, yeah. keep, keep the legacy going because yeah, it's a family farm. Totally. And, uh, so I wanted to do it and I worked really hard at it. And, um, you know, learned a lot, uh, really picked it up. And I was, I was operating, I was like self-sustaining, but I was still learning things every day. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, that as time went on, I saw more and more things that I didn't like about it mm -hmm. or, um, or I would see or think rather about other things outside of farming mm -hmm. that I was like, you know, I kind of wish, I kind of wish I was doing that, you know? And so I kind of felt called outside of it yeah. and, uh, inevitably, you know, you sit on a thought like that long enough and you're going to, you're going to have to act yeah, on you it. Have to act on it. So my wife and I had like a conversation one night and I basically just, I told her, I was like, I, I love, I love this, but I also don't think it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, totally. And, uh, you know, I think we need to talk about changing that whole process took like a year. Mm hmm just talking about it, trying to figure out what we we're going to do, what the strategy was. Cause right. I mean, you can't just no. give up your life and yeah. like, especially when you're married and you have that, that obligation, that responsibility of like caring for someone yeah, and it's a partnership. Um, but getting back to my point, it was uh, nerve wracking for me socially thinking like, what are people going to think of me having gone from film to farming and now to real estate? And I was like, man, like, like, what are, what are people going to say? They're going to be like, Oh, yeah. Craig, you know, can't make up his mind or bounces back and forth yeah. or, you know, whatever. And so I had, a, I was super self-conscious about it for a while. And then finally something just clicked. And I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what anyone else says or thinks, or I matter. could give two shits. It does not matter. The fact of the matter is I decided that this is what I want to do. You decided. Exactly. exactly. And, you know, there's a, so like I'm reminded of a quote from Earl Nightingale, a success is the person who decides what they want to do mm -hmm. and then they go do it. Yeah. And even if you haven't reached your goals yet, if you're headed in that direction down the path that you decided to go, yeah. you are a success. Right. You're doing what you wanted to do. If you have 10 different careers, it doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as you're happy. That's all that matters. Yes. You literally get a hundred at the max, at the max, you get 120 years on a planet that's 4 billion years old. Yeah. What does it matter? Yeah. Like that, you better be happy. You better be happy. It's about happiness, right? It literally is. It's about what makes you happy. Well, I would, I would argue that it's more than happiness. I think it's fulfillment. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. It's honestly fulfilling yourself. Um, and I had a coach, I had my golf coach. And one of the things that he told us uh, graduating from high school, he said, the last thing you want is to look up in 20 years and say, damn it, I should have done this. 
Oh, yeah. That's the last thing. He's like, that's the last thing you want to do. He's like, yep. that's the last thing you want is to look up to 20 years and say, damn it, I should have done this. And that kind of also was one of the things I took to heart and was like, I don't want to have regrets. So if I feel like I need to do something, then I'm going to do it. And then and, and also another thing, too, like with the job with HEB, I told them, like, or I told my wife, I was like, the reason why I knew I had to leave was because it was coming to affect home. It was starting to affect home. And that's like, I'm not ever going to do anything that's going to affect my kids. So sure. I was like, I I can't be here anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'd rather do anything else other than this. Yeah. So it's happiness yeah. and fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I think it's really cool. So I, I love what you've done, you know, and I, your mindset, man, I, I really like we're, we're on the same frequency here. Trying, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. I think it's, it's just crucial for people to, you know, this problem is so pervasive with social media, especially for women. I mean, it's, it's a thing for yeah. men too, but I think women are even more affected by the, the world or the idea of comparison, you yeah. know, between these people, like you said, that are posting fake selfies by yeah. palm trees to say they're in Hawaii yeah. when they're really in fucking, you know, dude, the body image, the body image is so messed up right now. And it's been messed up and it's been messed up before social media, catfish yeah. filters. Well that, and then just the fact that like, you know, the standard of beauty, like in a magazine, like the standard of what a model should look like, like that's crazy to me. Yeah. Like no normal person looks like the standard of what, like the beauty standard of what the world is like, Oh, this is what you should look like. No, you shouldn't. You should yeah. be happy in whatever skin you're in. Yes. Because that's where you are. That's who you are. Meet yourself at where you are right now and then make improvements on that person. hundred percent. Well, and another thing is, Understanding that at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you are, uh, you're more than your body. Yeah. You're, you're a spiritual being, yes. right? Like, so you are your heart and soul and yeah. mind. And this just happens to be the instrument that you're interacting with the world. Yeah. You know, you're, it's carrying you through this world, but it is not you exactly. and you are not it. Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. Uh, but I, I also think it's important that people understand that if you are like unhealthy um, or like overweight, those things can be fixed. Like you can lose weight and become more healthy. Like I had a lot of issues when I was overweight, Mm -hmm. I was about 300 pounds and I had really bad allergies. I, um, had a wheezing thing and you know, it's like all these weird little random things. Um, and they all went away when I started losing weight. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's important for people to understand that they can take control of those things. I mean, well. your body, like it, it, it's, it's the saying that your body is your temple, but it doesn't have to be anything in that sense. It's just a matter of you can directly affect your circumstances. It doesn't matter how, in, it doesn't matter how in change you are. It doesn't matter how imprisoned you are. You can directly affect this. You can affect the mind. You can affect the body. We, we have come to find that you can do, you can get in perfect shape just do pushups, sit-ups, exercises that are all non heavyweight oriented. You can do complete body exercises. You can also expand your mind just through meditation and just understanding the aspects of life. It doesn't matter how imprisoned you are. People in solitary confinement have done it for years. So it's like, it's all a matter of how mentally tough you are. Can you exchange and can you change your existence? Because this is all up to your control. Yeah. Well, and so you remind me of something I heard um, Alan Watts say in one of his lectures. Is he, do you follow him at all Mm -hmm. or listen to? Okay. So he's, I think he's, he was really big around the, if I'm not mistaken, like the sixties and seventies, but, um, you know, he pops up a lot on my, on my YouTube reels Mm -hmm. and stuff. And one of the things he was saying was that in order to figure out who you are and to, to not continue identifying yourself by how everyone else sees you Mm -hmm. is to go off into the forest by yourself for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, that solitude will cause you to start thinking 
in a different way. You start thinking about yourself. You start mm-hmm. thinking about things you want, about life. You contemplate all of these ideas. Yeah. And, and then you're able to figure out what path you take from there. Yeah. And uh, I love that. I was listening to it, and I was thinking about me while I was farming. Mm-hmm. Because uh, granted, like I would go home to my wife and I, you know, had my, my wife's family that I'm very close with. I had all of them around me. But when I was farming, sometimes I would be in the middle of literally nowhere. Yeah. You know, I, I would be out there on the tractor all day and not see a single car drive by. Mm -hmm. And it was those times where I would be out by myself, where I'm thinking, or I'm, I'm listening to these different messages like, you know, the type of stuff we're talking about right now, yeah. discovering who you are, who is self and you yeah. know, things like that. And I would have these like epiphanies and these realizations that like I am in control of my life yeah, and I can decide how I want things to be. And all I have to do is just create it. Yeah. And one of the biggest realizations was that your life is the the sum total of the decisions that you've made up until this point. Yeah, exactly right. Whether that's a decision of, about which direction to take, which road to take, yeah. or how to handle a situation Huge. or how to respond. Huge. Um, every decision yeah. cumulatively makes you who you are. Who you are, yeah. And uh, so in, in my mind, the, I was connecting those dots just saying, that was my forest. Yeah. Like that, that two years of time of being by myself so much gave me the opportunity to explore my inner self yeah. and find out who I really want to be. Yeah. And, uh, and then one of the things that I think is so fantastic is the power of the human mind to literally create the person that you want to be. Yeah. Yes. So speak intentions to it. Yes. Speak intentions yeah. to it and you become that person. Yes. Truly. Yeah. I, 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 you were speaking word of, you were speaking words to power cause I went through, uh, a similar year, like a whole year where I was by myself and it wasn't even so much like what it was. Um, I had, uh, I had screwed around in college, messed up and all my, all my friends, literally my entire friend group had graduated a year before me. So I had to stay in college for a whole year and all my friends had moved away. And this was when I really went through the whole, like social media is a highlight reel. Like you need to stop comparing yourself because all my friends moved away. Everybody went and started their careers. Everybody started getting jobs. Everybody was like working and doing their thing. And I was still in school. I was coming uh, going to school, going to like taking like, I think it was like, I only needed three classes. So I was literally only taking like three classes and I was coming home and sitting home in my apartment all day long by myself, all day by yeah. myself. So it was like that realization of like, A, I need to stop comparing myself to other people because this is my marathon. And B, do I really like the person that I'm sitting in this apartment with by myself with every day? Yeah. Like, cause I'm thinking I'm, I'm with this person every day. So I'm thinking and it's just me. I'm not hearing any words. I'm not hearing anybody talk to me. I'm just by myself. So it was really just me. Like, I don't really like this person, you know? Like, what can I change about this person that'll make me like this person? What will make me happy to look at myself in the mirror and give myself a high five? Like, Mel Robbins is huge to me. Yeah. Because it's like the the high five rule. Like, I I do that every morning. Or I do a fist bump. But, I mean, every morning. And it's like, and it it was, it's a progression thing because I've been doing that since since college. And that's been six, seven years ago. But it was a slow thing of me changing and becoming the person that I was actually comfortable looking at myself for longer than 30 seconds in the mirror. So I started, so I started looking at myself in the mirror. And I would look at myself and the longer that I could look at myself and like self-analyze myself and get to the point where now I can just stare at myself and just stare at myself like a weirdo. But every morning I look at you smile. Yeah. yeah. Every morning I look at myself every, every morning I get up, I brush my teeth. Um, I look at myself in the mirror for 30 seconds, smiling at myself. And then at the end of the 30 seconds, I fist pound myself. And that's, that's my morning every morning. Nice. And that's just for me to like, know I'm okay. 
that I'm proud of who I am in this moment. And then I know when I have an issue looking at myself and I have to look away that something happened that yeah, I need to something's reevaluate. Going on. Yeah, yeah, I need to reevaluate. Hundred percent. I know who I am and I am very confident in who I am. So yeah. it doesn't bother me what other people think. I don't yeah. care. I love that. Yeah. Dude, I love that. Yeah. I, I do a similar thing. Um, I, I kind of am interested to try out what you're saying. You, mm. know, you just look, take 30 seconds, look at yourself, yeah. give yourself a little fist bump. But if I'm ever feeling down, mm. one of the things that I'll do, I, I read something a long time ago that said, uh, if you were to stand in and look in the mirror and smile at yourself mm. for two minutes, mm. that has the same effect to your biochemistry that volume does. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, oh, okay. And so I would, if I was feeling bummed out or down about something, you stand and look in the mirror, you smile at yourself and you feel that like you yeah. can't help but start laughing yeah. when you're sitting there smiling at yourself. And you're like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> this yeah, is ridiculous. Yeah, but, it, and then it just breaks you out. It's like a, a pattern interrupt. You just start laughing and you're like, okay, what's going on? And yeah your brain starts working and you're like, okay, this is the problem. How do I solve it? And you know, you just go after it. Yeah, just a high five and the fist bump is enough to release endorphins. Yeah. Just a high five and a fist bump is enough to release endorphins in your brain. Cause I mean, if you think about it, like when have you ever gave a negative high five? Like when have you ever gave somebody a high five for something that's wrong? That's, and that's how Mel Robbins explains it. She's like, yeah. when have you ever given someone a high five for anything that's been bad? That's a good So point. she's like, so you should be giving yourself a high five every morning to congratulate yourself, to sell yourself like, Hey, I value you. I love that. And that releases those endorphins of I'm valued. Man, Mel Robbins is great. Oh, she's amazing. She does that other thing. I think her first book was the, uh, I I, don't, I forget the title of it, but the idea was, um, oh, it's the five second. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I loved that mm -hmm. because the the idea, and I'm, I'm super big on this, and I think she was actually a big reason that I am like this. Yeah. But I will, when something needs to be done, mm -hmm. I'm not the kind of person where I'll, where I'm like, okay, I'll go like sit down and chill for 15 minutes and then I'll do it. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or, you know, like I'll get that after this. Mm -hmm. If something in my head registers as needing to be done, mm -hmm. I just do it. Yeah. And it's a habit that annoys the hell out of my wife drives her fucking crazy <laughs> because I like get home and it's been a long day yeah. and she's been working and we like both get home at like eight o'clock and then I like start doing dishes, feed the dogs. Like I'm start, I'm doing all these chores yeah, yeah. and she'll be like kind of hanging out. Like you want to take a break? I'm just going to get this done and, and yeah. then I'll chill. Yeah. But her rule about when there's something that you don't want to do, yeah. or if you're trying to get out of bed, you just do five, yep. four, yep. three, two, one, and you do it. Get up. Yep. You just do yeah. it. It's huge. Man, it's I feel huge. like Shia LaBeouf. Do it. I swear. Are you serious? It's huge. It works. It though. is. It really yeah. does work. It works. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. The five second rule is it's, it's huge. I, I, I tell anybody to go listen to her. Yeah. Listen or read. I mean, honestly, I like audiobooks more than anything because we're so busy now in 2022. But oh, yeah. honestly, yeah, anything that, you know, helps. Speaking of audiobooks, have you heard of an app called Blinkist? Mm -mm. Dude, check it out. It's it's Blinkist? pretty sick. Okay. If you like stuff like Mel Robbins. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Like uh, Andrew Huberman, mm -hmm. Tony Robbins, like all of the people in the self-development space, mm -hmm. you know, they have books. And uh, so uh, Blinkist is all nonfiction. They've got a bunch of different categories, but one of the biggest and, and the one that I spent a lot of time in is the self-development side of things okay. and psychology. And the idea is they take these 10 or 11 minute blinks and uh, it's like a full recap of either all of the chapters or of the sections of the book. They talk about the core ideas that are con okay. conveyed by the, by the author. 
and it's 10 or 11 minutes. So yeah. if you don't have time to listen to the whole book yeah. or what, what I do is sometimes there's a book that I've read or listened to, mm-hmm. but I like the key points. And I'm also a big believer that uh, repetition is the mother of all learning. Yes. And so you have to constantly hear these messages mm-hmm. and, and hear these things regularly. And it's a big part of my morning routine. Um, but Blinkist is cool because I can revisit these books and get the outline or the, uh, the snapshot of what the, the message is from the author. And it only takes 10 minutes. That's crazy. Definitely. I want to get that. Check it out. I would love it. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. I love it. Huge, dude. (laughs) Yes. So, man, um, it's been pretty cool having you out. Yeah. I appreciate it. I know we're, we're crawling up on an hour. No, I appreciate Uh, you. So, but, uh. Dude, we were talking when this when we were first starting. I didn't realize we were rolling, but we were talking about that stabbing. Oh yeah, at the dude, freaking eighty nine ers parade. And so uh, I, I, it's wild. I didn't realize you were there for that. But yeah. we were sitting there last night. I was actually getting ready for bed. My wife saw the article on Facebook, mm-hmm. and we started talking about it. We know the guy whose family got stabbed. What? Yes. Um, and he, you know, he's a real estate guy. Um, he's kind of a developer Jeez. investor. So he owns a bunch of buildings downtown. And, um, it it was kind of surreal. It was, it was a little weird. We've had a lot of interaction with them over the years because, you know, if we were shooting in Guthrie, we would stay at his hotel or, uh, you know, he would help us out in different ways. We would consult with him a lot. Um, but man, it, it sounds like, I guess this guy broke into his house, him and his wife and his son were there and the guy ended up stabbing all three of them. The son got stabbed three times. Once it punctured his lung, Dude. and then uh, the the guy whose house it was allegedly chased the dude outside into the street at the end of the parade, right? And had pepper spray, and that's how all the pepper spray stuff happened. But here's something I thought was funny is not funny, but um, it kind of it kind of it kind wild. of annoyed me because. The dude that broke into the house was a black guy. Uh-huh. And, you know, that he was getting tackled by the police and security and everything. And people were posting these videos saying, like, this is so sad, like George Floyd. Oh, hell no. And you all deserved this. it, my And guy. I'm like, are oh, you no. fucking kidding hell me? No. You deserved dude it, broke you into a guy's people. house and stabbed three <laughs> people. And you're going to say, like, this is hell so no. sad. I'm like, what the hell fuck no, is going dude. on, man? You deserve what you get out of this life. <laughs> if you didn't do anything and something happens to you, then for sure, hashtag it all day long. Yeah. But if you are doing something that reserves and you you getting beat up, get beat up. Yeah, <laughs> and he didn't even get beat oh, up. They just on, pinned dude. him to the ground and handcuffed him. But I was like, what the you Less know, what the hell's going done. on? <laughs> what the heck? But honestly, my my thoughts and prayers go out to this guy and For his family. Sure. That's crazy. Um, I couldn't imagine someone coming into our house and you know, I and I don't know what the motive was. That's like I That's think weird. about this thing and That's I'm like crazy. Yeah. Was like what was the family originally out of the house for the parade and this guy thought oh, I'll break in and steal some stuff There's a parade going on my guy like what are you doing yeah, I don't know I don't know but also it, it gave me an idea for a script for a series <laughs> I've been sitting thinking about this all morning and uh <clears throat> so I'll go ahead and tell you in a nutshell in a nutshell so have you watched Ozark uh some of it my wife is really into it though okay some of it, yeah I love it such yeah. a good show but I, I was thinking like, okay, what if there was this regular kind of guy mm-hmm. um, and he had the idea for a TV show, for a series. Mm-hmm. And so he writes this script and I'm, I'm thinking of this guy, Taylor Sheridan, that started Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like a rancher guy and wrote this idea 
and it turned into Yellowstone and 1883 and now the one that Jen's working on, Tulsa King. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, premise is this regular dude has an idea to write a series about a, uh, let's say like a rodeo guy in Oklahoma who is like also a drug kingpin or like Mm -hmm. crime kingpin, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, Oh, wait, wait, no, no, no. Sorry. Got to back up. He has a different idea, writes the story. It gets big. He gets famous, ends up moving to LA, kind of starts living the life. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and so, and then he meets this woman, they get married, fall in love quick. Um, they end up having a baby. And when the baby's still young, let's say less than a year, the wife gets in an accident one night and they both die. Mm -hmm. He's devastated. And, um, he's, he's like, you know what? I've got to get out of Hollywood. I need to get out of LA. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's got this idea to write a series about this rodeo kingpin in Oklahoma. And so he actually moves himself to Oklahoma Mm -hmm. to start like studying and planning and writing this series. And in the process of him doing all of this, uh, like investigation and interviewing and everything to get ready to write the series, Mm -hmm. He meets this guy from Guthrie, Oklahoma, who's a big rodeo guy and, you know, big into like roping and barrel raising or whatever, you know, has a bunch of horses, raises horses, lots of land, all this stuff. And he kind of starts teaching this writer about the rodeo industry and the people and the terms and this and that. And Mm -hmm. the guy's just sucking it up because it's like, this is all the stuff I need for the series. Yeah. Well, then like one thing leads to another and turns out this guy is actually a sort of rodeo drug kingpin (laughs) and he like launders money through selling horses and, you know, all this stuff. And, and he's like a bad dude. And, um, and then slowly or somehow the writer ends up like having to do work for him. Like maybe he's got some dirt on the writer Mm -hmm. or like, you know, some sort of leverage. And, uh, and the guy basically ends up living the life that he was going to write about in the series. That's wild. And, uh, and I was thinking about like centralizing it in Guthrie cause Guthrie's like a big rodeo rope yeah. kind of thing. So if any of you guys steal this idea, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like that's really cool. Cause you could even use like multiple aspects of Oklahoma. Yeah. And then like, and then it would like basically give that like realistic, like that realism of it. Yeah. hundred percent. Sick. And you make it kind of like Ozarks where you're actually shooting it in parts of Guthrie. Yeah, like yeah. you got downtown Guthrie, you got the lazy E arena, you've got all these big equine houses, yeah, you know, that's crazy. That'd yeah. So I, I thought it'd be kind of fun. It would be very be so Ozarks, cool. you know, like this so guy, cool. super smart, you know, writer for Hollywood, but he gets roped into all this shit. Yeah. So anyway. Um, sorry, that was that's how my mind no, works. I, I hear about a tragic know. accident, and, and you're like, I'm, and I'm like, I'm oh, yeah, shit. I can write. Hey, man, that's how, hey, that's how it is. Yeah, necessity is born out of it. They're right? Telling you, that's, <laughs> that's not but bad. RJ, man, I gotta say, thank you. Oh, I appreciate you. Oh, sorry. Boom. Appreciate you. I really appreciate oh, you coming appreciate out, dude. You, dude. It was nice All to day. catch up with you. Nice All to day. chat. Anytime. Anytime. All right, man. Well, guys, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one.